Well, I'm ready to go right into the Word of God with you today. I hope you're excited for the Word. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them up to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. We'll be there in a few moments. But uh, as our ushers are continuing to serve us, let me just uh, just make a quick uh, announcement uh, as we are now in full swing. How many of you saw the snow this morning? The winter is upon us. Uh, let, me just, let me just encourage you to continue to be mindful of other people uh, as we're worshiping together. I, I made a post to our Facebook group last night, but just had this thought on my mind this week as uh, we have several people on our prayer list, people that are battling sickness, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's flu season. It's been that way all of our lives, but how many of you know post-COVID, like there's like this new reality. If you sniffle in public, you know, people scatter. And uh, I don't say that to make light of it. It's just it's the truth. There, there's legitimate concern there as well. We've got folks that are part of our church family that, that are battling COVID and others that are home today because they were exposed to people battling COVID. And I appreciate just the extra caution in this season from our church family to be mindful of everyone else because uh, we're all coming at this from a different place. Amen? And so uh, just love coming together as the, as the people of God. And the last thing I would want to do is not be able to do that. So uh, in addition to all of the you know, procedures and protocols we've put in place as a church to keep things clean and, and sanitary, uh, sometimes it's just good old common sense. If you're sick, watch online, right? And for those of you that are online, we're glad you're with us online. We hope this message and God's presence connects with you in a powerful way. I also want to say thank you uh, to, to everyone that's just made a, a shift in allowing more space. This, this sanctuary doesn't look near as full today as it did last Sunday, but that's, that's for good reason. We've got two other services happening and uh, we had more people this morning in the 8.30 crowd. Some shifted, and I know some more that will shift to the 11.30 crowd. And ultimately, you know, my, my heart's desire is to make as much room for as many people as possible. That's all it comes down to. We want to, we want to use this space uh, that God has blessed us with and leverage it to the maximum capacity for the glory of God. Uh, you are in the fullest service. If you didn't know that, if you just always come at 10, you are in the fullest service Last week, there was 90 more people in here at 10 a.m. than there was at 11.30. And in a room that size, 90 more people is a lot more people. So I want to get right into the Word today. And we're going to begin over here with this Advent wreath. You know, today is the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, I know it's still November, but the four Sundays leading up to Christmas... Mark the Advent season, and yes, not to stir panic in the house, we are just four weeks from Christmas. And these four candles, they represent hope, peace, love, and joy. And then the center candle is the Christ candle. We'll light one candle each week from now until Christmas, and then on Christmas Eve, we'll light the last candle, signifying the coming of the Lord. Now, let me just say, you're not going to find a a text in the Bible for the Advent wreath or Advent candles. The the wreath goes back to about the 16th century, but it's just one more way for us to to hone in on the reason for this season. How many of you know that, that the holidays can be busy times? Yeah, some of you had a really busy weekend. I, I It's a busy day. And so we've got a lot going on today, so it's not lost on me that the holidays are busy times. 
But when we come to a, a tradition like this, it's a good reminder for us that, that Jesus came in this season, and Advent is an expectation of his coming. Not only did he come as a baby in a manger, but how many of you know he's coming again? Amen. And so today we want to light the first candle of the Advent wreath, and that is the candle of hope. Because when Christ came, he came to bring hope to the world. And as we light this candle and the first flame dances on the wreath, it reminds me that, that Christmas is a season of activity. It's a season of motion. I had to laugh last night as I was making final preparations for today and just going through everything that was going on. And the irony is not lost on me that this is like the busiest Sunday I think I've had in a long time. We've got three services this morning, of course, and then at 3.30 this afternoon, I'll be back here with some of our media team getting things set up for the Christmas tree lighting event at 6 o'clock tonight out on the town square. Hope you'll be out there and be a part of that. And then we've got a church business meeting at 7 o'clock tonight, which if you're a member, we don't usually ask you to be here on Sunday nights, but I want to ask you to make it a priority and be here. We've got an incredible opportunity I'm excited to tell you about, some property that we may be purchasing. And so we want you to be a part of that meeting. But in all of that stuff, I had to laugh at the irony of just how busy I am today. And then the whole staff is out, you know, with sickness or, uh, you know, with just taking caution because of exposures. And so I'm running around here this morning at 7 a.m. doing all the things that they do. And, and I just thought, wow, isn't it funny that I'm going to open the message talking about being busy? So if you get no humor in that, I'm just trying to enjoy myself today, you know. I'm, just so you know, I'm just, you know, usually when I prepare messages, God speaks it to me before he ever lets me speak it to you. That's how that usually works. So God's speaking to me today if nobody else gets anything out of this. But my hope for you as we begin this Advent season is that amidst all of the motion of Christmas, you don't miss the movement of God. Can I tell you God is moving? God is moving today. He's moving all around us. It's, you know, some people go through their life looking for a miracle, hoping that if God would just show them a miracle, then they would believe. But can I tell you, you are experiencing a miracle every moment of your life. Just take another breath of oxygen and let it testify to you that without the goodness and the grace of God, we would not be here today. There's all kinds of motions surrounding Christmas, and I want to give you five motions today. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want you to get seasick, but I'm going to give, try to give you five motions of Christmas. And the first one is promotion. If you're a note taker, write this down, promotion. How many of you know that we are experiencing right now, this weekend, the biggest shopping weekend of the year? We had Black Friday. We had Small Business Saturday. Tomorrow's Cyber Monday then Giving Tuesday, like they're just going to keep marketing this thing and making up stuff until you have no money left. How many of you know that's the way this is going to go down? More sales are happening this weekend than at any other time in the year. And with big deals and big discounts come big promotions. Anybody besides me had your inbox just obliterated with advertising you know, or, or if you're like me, you have a really high filter setting, and so you've got a spam folder that all of that just goes to. I, I've gotten so many advertisements this week trying to gear me up and get me excited for this opportunity that I can't miss. I've got to get it today. And some of you know 
well and good because you were up before the sun rose on Friday. You were that person sitting outside of the store waiting for them to open the doors so you could be the one to grab that item off the shelf. But you know, you can have the best deal in town, and if nobody knows about it, it doesn't matter. That's why there's promotion for those sales. That's why promotion is a part of the motion of Christmas. If you're in Luke chapter 2, I want to show you one of the promotions of Christmas, and then we'll go to Matthew 2, and I'll show you one more. If you haven't felt like you're in a Christmas spirit yet, maybe this will be the moment, because we're going right to a Christmas text. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8 begins, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. It's funny how people say, oh, I'd love to see an angel. But everybody that sees an angel in the Bible is terrified. So you might want to rethink that. Verse 10, but an angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a great company of the heavenly host that appeared with the angel. They were praising God, and they were saying, now, why don't we all say their part out loud? Can you read it with me out loud? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. You guys make a pretty good angel choir. It says in verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Can I tell you, church, the first time Jesus came, heaven promoted it. Heaven promoted it. God sent an angel choir. But the second time he comes, he's not coming as a baby in a manger. He's coming as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And God hasn't subscribed to an angel choir. He's enlisted the saints of the earth to proclaim his coming. It's your job, church. It's my job to let the world know that the king is coming. It's our job to sing the chorus, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace on whom his favor rests. This is Good news still, and it's going to cause great joy, but it's only good news if it comes on time. So when he came the first time, God sent a promotion, not just an angel choir, but look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 tells us one of the promotions of Christmas. It says in verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So the first time he came, God literally put a star in the sky that these astrologers, these wise men, would be able to see it and recognize it as a sign of the coming of the Lord. And they followed that star in the east to the place where Jesus was. Can I tell you today, the second time he comes, there will be stars that shine. In fact, 
Paul the Apostle talks about the stars that will shine in the universe in Philippians chapter 2. Look at this with me on the screen. In verse 14, Paul says to them, do not, or do everything rather, without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying that the attitude of the church, the fact that you live in a, in a wicked and a perverse generation, and yet even still, you do everything without grumbling and complaining. When everybody else is, is, is upset because of how long the line is at Walmart, when everybody else is road raging on this holiday weekend, because you're doing everything without grumbling and you're doing everything without arguing. He says, you, church, will shine like stars in the universe, holding firmly to the word of life. And then he says this. Paul says, and here's the good news for me. On the day that I stand before God, because you shine like stars, I'll know I didn't labor in vain. And I just tell you, it, it, as a pastor, it makes me feel good about what I'm doing when, when, when you don't argue and complain, and when your attitude reflects the character of God in a wicked and a crooked and a perverse generation. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying that the fact that you live different, that you look different, that you respond different to circumstances means you're going to shine like stars, and in your shining, you're holding up the word of truth. The same way that star shined in the east over Bethlehem, we shine for his coming. But the good news is only good if it gets there on time. And so can I remind all of us today, church, on this first Sunday of Advent that we have good news. And this good news is worth promoting. It's worth promoting. You know, we're in the prime season for promotion. And I don't just mean about marketing and sales and deals. I mean about the gospel. People are more open and receptive to hearing a message about Jesus. People are more open and receptive to receiving an invitation to come to church in this season than at any other time. Did you know that? Attendance, not just in our church, but across the nation, attendance just trends upward during the holiday season. And, and, and barring some crazy, you know, snowstorm, I can promise you that our Christmas Eve service will be the fullest service we have all year. Every year, it's the same. It'll be the fullest service. We'll have four services on Christmas Eve, and we'll fill this house over and over and over again. Why? Because people are open to the invitation to come and see the Christ child in a manger. But how many of you know that Christ didn't come just to be born in a manger? <clears throat> he came to grow up and to be among us so that he could die for our sins. And so people are open to the invitation to come and hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I just challenge you today? Who are you inviting? Now, I'm seriously, I want you to just take a moment right here before I tell you about the, the next motion of Christmas and think about it. Who, who can you invite? Who can you reach out to? Who can you invite to sit with you next Sunday? Who can you bring during this Advent season? That Maybe they're just on the fringe. Maybe they like Christmas. Maybe they even like Jesus, but just they're not a part of the church. They're not a part of the body of Christ. 
They're not an active participant. Who do you know that maybe doesn't even understand the significance of what Christmas is all about? I want to do something right here before we go to point number two. I want to pray for that person. I want to pray for that person you're thinking about. Would you pray with me? God, right now, there's someone that you've brought to our heart and our mind. They're not here today. They're probably not watching online. But God, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. And so, Lord, we commit to shine like a star in the universe. We commit, like those shepherds, to go and to tell other people of what we've seen and heard. Lord, we want to be like those angels who made that announcement on the fields. God, would you give us the words to say? Right now, today, Lord, we put aside every excuse. Doesn't matter how long we've known them or how many missed opportunities or how many times they've turned us down. God, we commit to promotion of the good news in this season. Help us by your Holy Spirit to see the lost be found. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Let me tell you about another motion that's happening at Christmas. That's emotion. How many of you know this is a highly emotional season? You know, the song says it's the most wonderful time of the year. But the truth of that statement is it's actually the most magnified time of the year. So if you are happy, usually at Christmas time, you're really happy. But how many of you know it's also true that if you're sad, sometimes the holidays can really pull you down? If you feel lonely, it's in the holiday season that you feel very isolated. If you're grieving, it's in the holiday season that we really feel the pain of loved ones that have been lost. It's an emotional season. Last week, we finished a two-part series in the book of Malachi. And at the end of the book of Malachi, he's prophesying about the Lord who would come and about the one who would be the forerunner of Jesus who would come. We know that's John the Baptist who would come and prepare the way of the Lord. But then after 400 years of silence, following Malachi's prophecies, God finally breaks the silence by sending the angel Gabriel to appear to a man named Zechariah who's serving as a priest at the altar of incense. He's there at the altar, he's burning the incense, and all of a sudden the angel Gabriel appears to him and he says, Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a son. I I know she's up in years and you guys thought this couldn't happen and you prayed for a long time and you didn't think it would happen, but it is going to happen. And I want you to name the boy John. I want you to name him John, and I want you to know that he's going to be the forerunner for the Messiah. He's going to prepare the way of the Lord. Look at it with me in Luke chapter 1, verse 17. Gabriel says to Zechariah, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, I don't know what that verse does for you when you hear it, but can I tell you, when Zechariah heard it, he immediately recognized those words. This wasn't new. Gabriel wasn't telling him something he had never heard before. In fact, Gabriel was quoting Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. So the last word in the Old Testament is God's first word in the New Testament. 
Isn't it cool the way God put the Bible together? So 400 years of silence, God hasn't said anything, and then he sends Gabriel to come and essentially to say the last thing that he said. He comes on the scene and he tells him about the forerunner of the Messiah who would come and prepare the way. And no doubt, when Zechariah heard those words, those words that he knows had been penned 400 years before, he must have been wondering, why now? Like, why the delay? God, why, why would you make us wait all this time? We won't go into it today, but he, he even fussed a little bit at the angel Gabriel. But by the end of the chapter 1 of Luke, he comes around. In fact, he begins to prophesy about his son, John. After John is born, he, he takes the baby in his arms. And in verse 76 of Luke 1, he says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. Now, Zechariah is quoting Malachi. Talking about the son of righteousness who will rise with healing in his wings. He says in verse 79... To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the path of peace. So why, why, why is he saying that Jesus is coming? It's right there in verse 79. He said he's coming to shine on those living in darkness and to guide us into the path of peace. We live in a world that needs guidance. We live in a world of people that need peace. Listen, Christmas is a very emotional time, but can I remind you that, that God created your emotions? God created them, and he wants to use them to draw people to Jesus. Some of you, you just gathered around the table this week for Thanksgiving, and many people, for the first time, maybe in a long time, actually paused, bowed their heads, humbled their hearts, and gave thanks to God. Now, I know for some of you, that's a, a daily routine, but many people, for the first time in a long time, they, they called on God. Why? Gratitude. Gratitude. Thanksgiving. Did you know the Bible says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance? And so God will just use gratitude and he'll use his goodness and his blessing to draw people to him. You know, it's also true that God will use our painful emotions to draw us to him. It's not just the good moments that God uses. It's the painful ones. In fact, there's an obscure verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 that talks about how God wants to use even the pain points of our life to point us to the Lord. It says in Ecclesiastes 7 and 2, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone, and the living should take this to heart. What a strange verse. It's better to go to a house of mourning than a house of feasting. Better to go to a funeral than a party. Now, he didn't say it's more fun. He didn't say, you, you know, schedule it on your calendar. It'll be a great time. What he said is it's better. And the reason it's better is because you can go through all of life just eating, drinking, and being merry. From, from fun moment to party to, to just pursuing life's ambitions and, and never stop 
and really think deeply about the reality of your own mortality. But as a minister of the gospel, I've seen it time and time and time again. When the, when the coffin is rolled to the front of the church, people that would never darken the, day, uh, darken the door of a church on Sunday show up. They show up for a funeral, and their hearts are open. And maybe for the first time in a long time, maybe the first time ever, they're listening to the word of God. And one of my great privileges as a minister of the gospel is to be able to stand here behind this sacred desk and to tell people about the love and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ at their deepest moment of pain. God uses our emotions. He uses our emotions to prepare us to to till up the hardened hearts, the soil of our lives, so that the seed of the word can be deposited and bear fruit. Zechariah prayed for this day to come. He memorized scriptures about this day. He longed for this day. He served in the house of the God for this day. And yet, when it came, when it came, he doubted it. He didn't believe. In fact, he said to the angel Gabriel, he said, well, how am I going to know this is going to happen? <laughs> and Gabriel got frustrated. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm Gabriel. I, I literally, I showed up from heaven. <laughs> I'm an angel. And so he rebuked Zechariah, he said, you're not going to speak until the baby's born. Don't you wish you had that power? Like, you know, like when, when people frustrate you, you're like, you know what? You're done. You're done talking. Nine months, you're done. And literally, he, he couldn't talk. He came out of the temple of the Lord, and he had to write stuff down for people. He couldn't speak because he doubted the reality of the coming of the Lord. Church, may we not be silenced. In this season, we've got a message that deserves our promotion. May we not be silenced by our own unbelief as he was. The truth is people are dealing with all kinds of emotions right now. And we've been given a message to guide them in a path of peace. We have the message of hope today. There's all kinds of emotions in Christmas. Let me tell you the third one. Commotion. Can I get an amen (laughs) from anybody that was out shopping this weekend? There's lots of commotion in this season. The Oxford Dictionary defines commotion as a state of confused and noisy disturbance. No, that's not the definition of children. That's the definition of commotion. A noisy, confused disturbance. How many of you know this is a season of commotion? Kids are going to be home from school. Relatives are going to be visiting. Your boss is going to want you to work overtime. The lines will be longer. The traffic will be more intense. It's commotion. Not much different than the first Christmas. Look back in Luke chapter 2 at what happened after the angels gave the announcement to the shepherds. It says in verse 16, so they hurried off, the shepherds, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So so in other words, the shepherds received the promotion. They were filled with emotion, and then they caused the commotion. And they ran around and they told everybody 
about this child and what had happened. But, but look at the next verse. The very next verse, 19, says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, the verse after that says the shepherds actually came back. And you know shepherds are, are, are not, they're not the most reverent of society. Shepherds were the outcast of society. They, they probably smelled the worst too. And they had a bunch of sheep with them. So can you imagine the, you know, it's funny, we sing Silent Night, but I doubt it. These guys show up all excited, hollering about what they've seen. They, they, they wake the baby, then they go out and they tell everybody in Bethlehem, and then they come back. There's all kinds of commotion in this moment, but look at Mary. In the middle of everything that's happening, it says Mary pondered these things in her heart. In other words, in, in the middle of the commotion, she didn't lose sight of Jesus. And can I challenge us in this Advent season to do the same? Because quite honestly, it can happen easily. It is easy amidst the season of commotion to lose sight of Jesus. It happens to the best of us. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, a little bit later, we read the same phrase about Mary. This isn't the only time she paused to ponder things in her heart. But what had happened in chapter 2 was even Mary lost focus of Jesus. Pick up the story with me in verse 41. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Now, you got to understand that when, when people went to Jerusalem for the festival, it was a pilgrimage. I mean, like the entire town uh, empties out and makes their way. So there's this big procession of, of uh, Nazarenes making their way to Jerusalem. And so everybody's walking with their friends. 12-year-old Jesus is up in, in, up in the neighbor's cart for a while. And so they get so caught up in the commotion, they leave Jerusalem and they take a whole day's journey before they realize they don't have their son. So then they spend a whole day getting back to Jerusalem and a third day until they find him. Finally, Mary and Joseph find Jesus. He's sitting in the temple. He's blowing people's minds with his insight about the scriptures. And they look at him and they say, Jesus, what have you done? Why'd you do this to us? And Jesus looks right back at them and says, didn't you know I was supposed to be doing my father's business? Like, why are you looking for me? But then look at what it says after that. In verse 51 of Luke 2, it says, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She might have missed it three days ago. She might have got caught up in all, of, in all of the stuff, in all of the traffic, in all of the chaos and the commotion of the festival season, but she had a reminder in that moment, and that's what I'm trying to bring you today, a reminder that says, hey, in all of the commotion of the season, don't lose focus on Jesus. Take time this season to, to ponder in your heart. Take time this season to treasure Jesus in your heart. And I mean practically. Can I encourage you? You know, th this Advent wreath is just one way for us to, to slow down 
And to not rush ahead with all of our ambition to December 25th, but to to slow down and to say each Sunday, we're going to anticipate his coming. On Wednesday, at our house, our girls are going to start breaking open the little doors that have the pieces of chocolate behind them. And we're going to count down the days. But let's not just make that be about a sweet snack or an anticipation of gifts. Let's let it be a a countdown to the celebration of the coming of the Lord. Maybe you want to download an Advent devotional in the Bible app and just take time every day to anticipate the Lord's coming. But I want to challenge you in this season, don't let the commotion of everything that's moving cause you to miss out on the movement of God. There's a lot of motion happening this time of year. And when we've run out of energy from all the motion, God still has more. Let me tell you a fourth motion. That's demotion. We see a glimmer of demotion in our best moments in the Christmas season when we consider others above ourselves, when we let somebody get in line in front of us, even though their cart is full, when we reach for change and put a donation in the red bucket. We see an increase in volunteerism at the homeless shelter and at the food bank. We see here and there moments of putting others before ourselves, but there was no demotion like the one that Jesus took when he stepped out of heaven and became like us. In fact, the prophet Isaiah, he had a glimpse of both the deity and the humanity of Jesus, and he wrote about both. In Isaiah 9, he talked about the the deity, when he said, for unto us a child is born, but a son is given. And and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the government's going to rest on his shoulders. But that same prophet in Isaiah 53 described his humanity like this. He said, he grew up before them like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Jesus demoted himself all the way to a place of humility. In fact, Paul wrote in Philippians 2 that Jesus, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or used to his own advantage. But he says in verse 7 of Philippians 2, rather, Jesus did this. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. The most shameful, disgraceful death, even death on a cross. What Paul is saying is that Jesus became like us so that we can become like him. I want to invite the musicians to come. And I want to remind you today 
that the only way that's possible, the only way that you and I can become like him was through another motion of Christmas. And the fifth and final motion is remotion. Remotion is defined as the act of removing or taking away. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to take away our sin. He came to remove the barrier wall that stood between us and God. In other words, the motion of Christmas is the mission of God. He came to remove sin that separates us from God. We should be mindful that the cross of Calvary always uh, casts a long shadow over the cradle in Bethlehem. And, And while people are open to the invitation to come and behold the newborn king, We must always remember that Jesus was born to die so that he could remove your sin and my sin. How far? How far does he remove it? Where does it go? Psalms 103 tells us that he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. He removes our transgressions from us. That's what Jesus came to do. And when John grew up and began his ministry, he was standing on the banks of the Jordan in John chapter 1 and verse 29, when all of a sudden Jesus shows up and the Bible says John looks and he points at him and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away remotion. He takes away the sin of the world. That's what Jesus came to do. I want to remind all of us today in this season of seeking to remember this. God made the first move. Then in all of the motion of Christmas, it's God who acted first. While we were still sinners, Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in this. Christ died for us. When we weren't moving towards him, He was moving towards us. And I want to pray a prayer as we close this service today. In fact, I want to ask if you'd stand with me all over this room just to reverence the presence of God. As you stand to your feet, would you bow your heads with me? Today, as we begin this Advent season, maybe you're here and you're hearing this message and and this season for you hasn't really been about Jesus. Maybe, Maybe your life really hasn't been about Jesus, but as we talk about the purpose of this season on this Sunday morning, something in you is stirring. The Holy Spirit is calling you to to reprioritize your life around the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We use that word Lord in church often, but what it really means in our vernacular is simply that He's in charge that he's the leader. So if you're standing here today or you're watching this service online and Jesus isn't leading your life, then your verbiage doesn't matter. I don't care if you identify as a Christian. I don't care if you say he's Lord. I'm asking you right now, is he the leader of your life? Is he in charge? Because if he's not first, he won't be second. So I want to invite you right now to prioritize your life 
around the Lordship of Jesus. Father, today, as I call upon you in this moment, thank you that you're moving by your Holy Spirit. You're moving towards us. You're moving towards those that are far from you. You're moving towards those that have rejected you. Those that are carrying secret shame. Those that have been living with repetitive, habitual sins that they know grieve your heart and yet they've continued to live in it. And yet today, Lord, as we declared in song, chains fall, fear bows. There was something in them that wanted to be free. God, in this moment, would you bring freedom? Would you bring freedom in this moment on this holy ground? We call upon you today. I can't do it for you. If that's you today, would you just call on him from your heart? Say, God, I I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. God, I pray for our church today that, Lord, we would be fully committed to the reality that we have the greatest news that humanity is longing to hear. May we be about promotion. May we be about sharing the gospel. Lord, may we be about fixing our eyes on Jesus and beholding and pondering and treasuring Jesus amidst the commotion of this season. God, let this be the finest hour this church has ever seen because the people of God are filled with the joy of the good news of Jesus and they spread it broadly to everyone that would listen. God, build your church in us. Build your church in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Amen. If you're thankful for his word, would you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Father, we give you all glory. We give you all the honor today. In Jesus' name.